Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com. That's patreon.com forward slash baldhead Bible. And there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. Let me tell you a story. Jesus, he was on top of a hill, overlooking the area around the Sea of Galilee. Large crowds had followed him up the mountain. But they all sat down now in order to hear him speak. See, Jesus had taken the position that a rabbi would take when he was about to teach. He had sat down, and so his disciples the twelve we know about, and then the multitude of others, some of whom were calling themselves disciples, they all sat down, eager to hear what Jesus was about to teach. And then Jesus delivered one of the greatest sermons of all time. It is known as the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus told the people what it meant to be in the kingdom. Remember, he started preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Well, If you want to know what it means to be in the kingdom, Jesus was about to tell him what it meant to be in the kingdom in that sermon. And he began with one of the most famous introductions of all time of any sermon. It began like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven, for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The people sat in rapt attention as Jesus moved seamlessly from topic to topic, integrating into one sermon what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus in the kingdom. He used paradoxes and, you know, like, blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. You're blessed if you're persecuted. How can this be? Then Jesus moved into pointing out the hypocrisy of many of the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders who were listening and many of the disciples in that crowd who were relying on their keeping of the law to save themselves. You have heard it was said. You have heard it was said. That's what Jesus said. And then after he would say, you have heard it was said, then Jesus would give a law from the Torah 
and then he would show the new requirements in his kingdom. You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says, you fool, will be subject to hellfire. Matthew 5, verses 21 through 22. You know, in the sermon, Jesus begins to shred the foundation of many of his listeners who are relying on their keeping of the law. Jesus, in the sermon, laid out the new demands in his kingdom. Jesus then moved from topic to topic, demonstrating how different it would be to follow him and to be a part of the kingdom led by Jesus. Jesus used metaphors and similes from nature and from the lives of those sitting there. He did that to make his complex ideas simple, to make it clear what Jesus meant. It was brilliant, fantastic, life-changing. It was an amazing speech. At the end of it, the people were in awe. They were moved and had concepts explained to them that now they had finally understood At the end of his sermon, the Bible says, the people were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. Man, this is an amazing sermon. And I'd encourage you to read it. It starts in Matthew chapter 5 and goes all the way through Matthew chapter 7. You can read this sermon and I would encourage you to read it for yourself. Hear the life-changing, encouraging truths about the protection of Jesus over those who follow him. If you struggle with anxiety, God gives encouragement. He shows you how to pray in this sermon. He shows you how to enter the kingdom and how to avoid missing it altogether, you know? It's a wonderful, deep sermon. Please read it and be convicted, encouraged, and challenged to live for Jesus. Well, Jesus completed his sermon, and he began to move down the mountain. He was probably exhausted, but he didn't have time to catch his breath before people came up to him in order to be healed. The first one that Matthew records was a leper. Now, leprosy was a skin disease that would produce white bumps all over the skin, and if left untreated, would lead to loss of feeling in a person's foot or hand or or whatever extremity it had attacked. And eventually, that hand or foot or whatever extremity, it would become bruised and damaged and disfigured, and it'd have to be removed. It was a terrible disease. It was a disfiguring disease. It also meant to the average Jew that you were unclean and it meant you had to be quarantined outside the camp. You were not allowed near the other Jews in the camp. You had to stay outside. You had to yell unclean everywhere you went. You had to do that until the leprosy was gone. And for so many of them, the leprosy never left. It just got worse and worse. It was a death sentence. If you were a leper, you were someone condemned to a life of suffering on the fringes of Jewish society. And you'd have to be removed from family, friends, and pretty much just left to die. 
The Jews regarded leprosy as a curse from God, and and healings were rare. In fact, the Jews thought that healing a leper was as difficult as raising the dead. It was hard. It was terrible. It was a terrible thing to have. But one leper saw something in Jesus. He'd probably heard of the miracles Jesus was performing, and so he had followed the crowds waiting for his moment, waiting to be healed, and now here was his chance. Jesus was coming down the mountain, and maybe there was a break in the crowd surrounding Jesus, and so this leper took it, and he ran to Jesus and fell at his feet and yelled out, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I can imagine the man bowed before him hoping beyond hope Jesus was real and that he could heal him. I imagine Jesus bent down, lifted the man's head, looked him in the eye and said, I know he said this because it's in the Bible. He said, I am willing. That's what Jesus said. I am willing. And then Jesus says, be made clean. That was it. No magical pronouncement, no flashy display, just honest, complete healing. The man was immediately healed of his leprosy, was all gone. Then I imagine Jesus pulls the man close and gives him a hug and helps him stand up. And then he tells him one thing, just just this one thing. Don't tell anyone. Keep it to yourself. See, I can imagine Jesus says to him, I still have a mission, a goal, a plan. And if you start telling everybody about the way you were healed, then it's going to stop me from accomplishing my father's will, my father's plan. I'm all of a sudden going to be stampeded with all these people wanting to be healed. I'm already dealing with large crowds. And I've got a timetable. I've got to be about my father's business. Don't tell anyone. But then Jesus adds, but do this. Go to the priest and offer the sacrifice commanded by Moses for this healing. That's what I want you to do. Don't tell anyone, but go to the priest and offer that sacrifice. That sacrifice, by the way, is found in Leviticus 14. And you know what it says he has to do when he gets to the priest? It says this, The man cleansed, in Leviticus 14, if you are cleansed of leprosy, it says you are to be brought to the priest, verse 3, and that priest will go outside the camp and examine him. If the skin disease has disappeared from the afflicted person, the priest will order that two live clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop be brought for the one who is to be cleansed. Then the priest will order that one of the birds be slaughtered over fresh water in a clay pot. He is to take the live bird together with the cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop and dip them all into the blood of the bird that was slaughtered over the fresh water. He will then sprinkle the blood seven times on the one who is to be cleansed from the skin disease. He is to pronounce him clean and release the live bird over the open countryside. And then there's more. I mean, it is an extensive offering. That's just the beginning. This was quite the ritual. In essence, quite the celebration. And when this man goes to present himself before the priest. And when the priest examines him, you know what? At that moment, the priest would have realized something. There is someone doing amazing miracles in Galilee. 
there is someone doing the miracles that the Messiah is supposed to do one day. There is someone in Galilee who might be the Messiah? Because that priest would have realized that no one, no one had been healed of leprosy according to Old Testament law for hundreds of years. In fact, not since Elisha had cleansed Naaman of leprosy, no one had been cleansed ever of leprosy since then. By presenting himself to the priest, Jesus was serving notice to the Jewish authorities. He's serving him notice this, that the Messiah is here. Jesus didn't want a wild stampede of people wanting to be healed and stopping the work of the Father and his timetable. But Jesus did want the right people to know the leaders in Jerusalem, and this cleansed leper, this miracle that had not happened for hundreds of years, that was Jesus' calling card. And that calling card announced this, the Messiah is here. Man, I hope you know Jesus is the promised Messiah, prophesied in the Old Testament. He fulfills all these messianic prophecies, especially the ones Matthew's going to show laid out in Isaiah, like Isaiah 61 or Isaiah 52 and 53, and also Isaiah chapter 35. It says there, then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. Isaiah 35, verses 5 through 6. That's what the Messiah is going to be doing. He's going to be opening the eyes of the blind. He's going to be healing. He is the Messiah. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm fulfilling these prophecies. I am the Messiah. And one day, Jesus will return as the Messiah and as King. And I pray you have asked him to save you. Well, soon after healing this leper, right? A centurion. A Roman officer came running up to Jesus, pleading for Jesus to heal his paralyzed servant. My servant is in agony. He's paralyzed and he can't move. Please heal him. Now, a centurion is a commander of a hundred men and had a lot of authority in Jesus' day. This Gentile, non-Jew, this Roman came to Jesus asking for healing for his servant. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said that he would come and heal him. That's amazing. Jesus is going to heal a non-Jew? Well, you know what's even more amazing? The Bible says that what the centurion said was so amazing that it amazed Jesus. What the centurion said next, that amazed Jesus. Now, the word amazed is a Greek word usually used of the people who saw Jesus' miracle. But here it is used of Jesus himself. He was amazed at what the centurion said next. And you know what he said? This Gentile Roman centurion officer says, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Essentially, the Roman centurion was saying to Jesus, you 
Jesus, are powerful. And I can tell that you have the power of your Father, and, and you have the power to heal. And all you have to say under that authority is just say the word heal, and you can heal my paralyzed servant from afar. You don't need to physically come to my house. The centurion officer knew that. Essentially what he's saying, talk to your father who you are under authority of and then use your given authority and just speak. Just say the word heal. And I know my servant will be healed. Boom. Drop the mic. This Gentile soldier This non-Jew gets it. He got it before most of the Jews following him did. This Gentile understood where Jesus got his power from, how he worked, his relationship with the Father. This Gentile general perceived all of that. And I think it amazed Jesus to see the Holy Spirit working in a man who was not a Jew, and the message was spreading already beyond the Jewish people. Because afterwards, Jesus says this, I I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with so great a faith. That's what Jesus says. He goes on to say, I tell you that many will come from east and west to share the banquet with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 8, verses 10 through 12. See, when Jesus says that, he's referring to, to a prophecy in Isaiah 25, talking of a future messianic banquet, a banquet held in the honor of the Messiah. And it was thought and taught in Jewish theology at the time that the Jewish people would be there and that they would be celebrating while the Gentiles around them, they would be thrown into outer darkness. It was going to be a great time if you were a Jew. But Jesus... He said that the faith of this centurion proved the exact opposite. This Gentile soldier showed more understanding of God and demonstrated more faith than the very sons of Abraham and Jacob around him. And that amazed him. And that made him say that one day it's going to be the sons of Jacob and sons of Abraham that are going to be cast in outer darkness, not the Gentiles. If you put your faith and trust like this centurion in Jesus and who he is, you're going to be at that banquet. So Jesus says, go, as you have believed, let it be done for you. And the Bible says at that very moment, his servant was healed. Man, this is great, isn't it? Jesus is demonstrating his power over sickness, that he had the power to heal, just as the prophecies had said the Messiah would have. Jesus then goes on and he heals the mother-in-law of Peter, his disciple, who had gotten a fever and it looked like she wasn't going to make it. He goes to the town of Capernaum and heals Peter's mother-in-law. And she gets up and starts serving Jesus right away. And Matthew goes on to say that later that day, or that week, or however long it took, we're not certain. Matthew says when evening came that day, right? They brought him many who were demon-possessed. He drove out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. 
so that was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, he himself took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. Matthew. He's showing the reader of this book that Jesus is fulfilling these prophecies for the Messiah. He quotes from Isaiah 53, verse 4. He's letting his readers know that Jesus is demonstrating one of the signs of the Messiah and that he is fulfilling scripture and prophecies. Jesus is the Messiah, people. Take notice. Listen. Jesus is the Messiah. And all who put their faith from a leper to a Roman centurion, all who put their faith in Jesus can be saved. You don't have to be a Jew or be raised in a Christian nation or be an American or live a perfect life or never sin. No, you simply have to put your faith, your believing loyalty in Jesus, in Jesus alone. I'd encourage you, if you haven't done it yet, ask Jesus to save you. Pray and ask him to forgive you of your sins, of your sinful ways, and then ask him to save you. Put your trust in Jesus to save you from hell and the wrath of God to come. If you do that, you are saved and now one of the children of God. Baldhead Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katzian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katzian. Edited by Lincoln Katzian. If you would like to listen to more Baldhead Bible Podcast, please subscribe. New episodes added every week.